This is the Women Your Mother Warned You About podcast, sponsored by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Director of Coaching Programs at Sales Gravy. Before we get started with this week's episode, I want you to go and check out Sales Gravy University. Sales Gravy University is the place where sales professionals and sales leaders from across the globe go to learn and upscale. And right now, if you're a brand new user and you've never used Sales Gravy University before, you can get your first course for free by using coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. And hey, I've got several courses there that you can check out. So I hope to see you there. But let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode. Check, 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 check. Got good shit to share today. That's all I'm going to say. Got good shit. Got a lot of, um, I'm looking forward to a rogue episode. Oh my gosh, you got good shit. I like it when yep. you got good shit. I don't think I've ever heard you say you got good shit. Oh, I did. I said it in my recruitment episode. Not that I've listened back to myself very much. Right? <laughs> what are you drinking there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, before I tell you that, we might as well just, the show's rogue. So I think we should just, I think Nian should just take it from us checking our microphone in the recording. But uh, hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer, and uh, I'm about to tell my co-host what I'm drinking. You want to introduce yourself? I am Susanna Gray-Jones, not on the wine today, Master Coach at Sales (laughs) Gravy. (laughs) The question is, what is Gina drinking? It is my um, home version of a caramel macchiato. Instead of paying $8 at Starbucks. No. $8? That's what they cost. $8. And my stepson makes fun of me on spending my money. Actually, now they're making fun of me going to Dunkin' Donuts. One of my husband's coworkers took a picture of me at the Dunkin' Donuts window where he was to take that picture. I don't know. It sent it to my husband. And he's like, oh, your wife makes you bring lunch to work, but she's at the Dunkin' Donuts. That's so funny. I think like, you know, with the whole like price of Starbucks over there. And this mm-hmm. is something that I need to be really careful of because $8 to me, that's just like eight pounds. But you forget that actually $8 is less than eight pounds. And sometimes when I'm trying to price up deals for sales gravy, <laughs> I'm thinking in pounds and that's dangerous because actually, yeah, it's it's less than dollars. So I need here's, to help that. Here's another sticker shock. Rotisserie chicken at one of the grocery stores. I I was putting it in my basket without thinking about it because every now and then I'll buy a rotisserie chicken. And for some reason, I happen to look at the price, 12 American dollars for rotisserie chicken. That's awful. That's awful. I remember the day here in the U.S., the Costco, where you could go to Costco and get it for $5, $4.99. Now, I know the pricing has gone up a little bit, but $12 for rotisserie chicken. I put it back because I need to be able to go to Starbucks. No chicken for no chicken for us. <laughs> That's either inflation or you're you're showing your age now. <gasps> oh, oh no. Oh, the rogue brings the cheeky back. No. I don't think I don't think I'm showing my age because I do know yeah, there are like definitely. some of the higher end grocery stores that I like to go to, which this one is kind of I don't want to say super high end, but uh, higher end. 
But there's one higher end than that, that last time I bought a chicken there, it was $8. Yeah. So everyone needs to adjust and everyone needs to sell their pants off because did I just say sell their pants off? I mean, sell you their- did sell their, you <laughs> just said, and for you, pants means underwear. So sell your underwear off. No, why are you, not- selling, you know, maybe you could sell your underwear in this economy and make some, make some money. Actually, you know, you should buy Jeb's book, Selling the Price Increase. Yeah. Yeah. Or speaking of underwear, Speaking of underwear. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Gina, you need to send your measurements to that client yeah. who um, <laughs> you're doing training for. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. you got to tell the listeners what you mean. What we Susanna mean. and I are working with a client in the liposuction <laughs> space that wants, wants us to experience their garments and um, asked us for our bra sizes and our hip sizes to send us garments. I, I would like them to send me liposuction too so I could really <laughs> experience the garments. But that was the funniest thing that happened well, this week. Not just the bra size, but the circumference of the fullest part of your breast. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh I, everyone, all my friends joke who listen to this podcast that they're like, you know, you're either being really cheeky to Gina or you're sucking up to Gina. And actually, you know, as someone who I believe I've actually learned a lot over the last year from both you and Sales Gravy and the Americans, um, I'm better at bigging myself up, which is something that the people of the UK aren't so good at because they like to be seen as modest and having humility. So I love the fact that at Sales Gravy, everyone's like, whoop, whoop, I just closed a deal or you know, I'm doing really good at the moment. You know, that's quite rare. In the UK, people be like, you stop picking yourself up, being big headed, don't be arrogant. And I've learned a lot. I've learned wow. a lot. And that brings me to the the point that I was okay. going to say. I was stalking your LinkedIn the other day and I saw that someone who seemed quite an expert in their field um, tagged you as having presence, sales presence. Not, Chris, not Christmas presents. Not Christmas presents. <laughs> right, okay. Sales presents. <laughs> you can give me Christmas presents if you like. Um, but I, yeah. And this is something that has always fascinated me because I think we're both from a performing background, right? And I think we don't talk enough about it. Presents when people come into a room. And you know from feedback that you get that, that you have presence and you get that feedback. I've heard people giving you that feedback, but you know that je ne sais quoi. Um, je ne sais like, quoi. Uptown girl. She walks into the room and people think, ah, oh, who is that person? And as mm-hmm. salespeople, it's pretty important that we develop some kind of sales presence. So when I, that's what I mean when I say sales presence, when you walk into a room yeah. and you set the, the room, you bring that energy in. What do you think of? Tell me more about your sales presence. Mm. It's interesting that you bring this up for a couple of reasons. I was just at a, I just gave a keynote talk yesterday. And I think you saw, you saw the video too from the customer, mm-hmm. right? Because they actually sent, they created a video, sent it to me and said, can you send this to Jeb? Which is like, it's like a testimonial about me and like, hey, can you send this to your boss? Which was kind of cool. It's it's interesting to me because I take my presence for granted, and I and I know which LinkedIn your post you're talking about because 
it always surprises me. And maybe I just, I try to stay within some level of humility, believe it or not, even though I do take opportunities to prop myself up. I take it for granted the presence that I have. And then someone reminds me of it, like that woman who posted it on um, LinkedIn, that when she thinks of someone with presence, she thinks of Gina Tremarco and and another woman that I know. And she tagged both of us. And that was, um, it was such a nice, I don't want to say surprise. It, it It was a surprise, but it was such a great compliment to get because I don't really think of myself that way. Mm-hmm. But I realize that others do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important part of presence. Yeah. Right. When I when I'm teaching sell like a child, I talk about the seven traits of a child and why that makes them a good salesperson. And one of those traits is I call it the cute factor, right? Because they're so cute and it's hard to say no to them. And you can't figure out why because they're so cute. And I teach this and I say, obviously, as adults, we don't like to be thought of as cute. And and for adults, that would be the it factor or the X factor or presence. It's that thing. You can't quite put your finger on it, but there's something about that person. When they walk into a room, they create an energy and you automatically feel drawn to them. I wish I knew how to bottle it because I don't know if it comes from I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination of the performance background, mm-hmm. right? Because you're used to putting yourself out there and you know people are watching. And so you're used to that. Um, I think it's a combination of that and some level of confidence, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is also interesting because I was on a, a prospecting call yesterday and they were asking specifically what we were doing at Outbound for women. For women in sales, mm-hmm. they they want to they want to come to Outbound. They want to bring a lot of women. They're like, "What are you going to be doing with the women your mother warned you about?" Podcast at, at Outbound because we want to create a track for women in our organization, which I thought was super cool because it was a male leader and he wants to he wants to make sure that these women have something for them. Ooh. And we scheduled a second meeting because. He's like, let me bring my top female performers into a call so they can share with you. Because I said, you know, what are they specifically looking for? And so we got on a call and these women were sharing things with me that, again, I take for granted that she's like, we would really love content around how to have confidence when you walk mm-hmm. into a room. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got a lot to say about this. A lot to say. What? What do you have to say about it? Let's talk about it because I, I I forget about how important this is about having confidence. And now we preach it all the time. We teach it all the time. We we teach, you know, have assertive confidence, but we don't necessarily teach how to have confidence. So what are your thoughts on that? I think there is so much to say on it, but I think having tried this from a very early age because like you I've been more at an early stage I was on the stage right so I was also someone who always tried to be a bit cooler than I was (laughs) (laughs) so and we changed schools a lot growing up we went around to lots of different schools um, and some people say that's why I'm in sales I like meeting new people we never stayed in one place I've always been up and down traveling so one of the things that I used to do when I went to a new school was try and fake it. So <laughs> someone used to always say, if you stand up straight and you act like you own it, then people will believe it. Now, 
There's truth in that. But it went wrong for me when I used to try it. So what I used to do, I used to walk in. Now, you know, I. Now, if you look at me now and I walk in and I've got my head up like this and I've got this posh accent, people think, yeah, she's a bit stuck up. She's a bit of a bitch, right? And I got that feedback from someone and I literally didn't realize it until I like caught myself in the mirror and I'm like, I've got to stop walking in like I own the place because I'm, 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 it's not giving the right message. It's slightly aggressive. So I, what I was doing was I was faking it to the point that I wasn't myself anymore. And I, I had to develop that, that self belief that actually, no, like, I, I am. I think in life, so many, especially women, are waiting to feel like someone's given them permission to act like the expert. But the point was, is that you've got to give yourself that permission. And I learned that growing up. You've got to say to yourself, no, I am an expert and find ways to let give yourself that permission to walk in with that confidence. So I think you can try and fake it up to a point, but with that, you have to you have to give yourself permission to believe that you are the expert because no one's going to hand it. If you keep waiting for someone to give it to you, it ain't going to happen. I agree. And you faked it till you made it to some point and then you realized you weren't yourself anymore. So what would you drill that down to of how you got better at it and how you improved your confidence? I think there's that... Someone giving you feedback, or in my case, just seeing myself in the mirror as well, realizing that's not me, right? That's who I think people want me to be. But actually, the person who they want me to be and who I'll always be better than anyone is myself. For me, there was that element of, and we all know this, we all know, you probably you know, we work together um, over the years of our relationship. I'll probably hear people say things about you. Haven't yet. Don't worry. <laughs> and you'll probably hear people say things about me. And there are things that we won't like. And that's going to happen wherever we go. We're strong women, strong personalities. People are going to think we're bitches. People are going to think that we're all these things. And you have to get to the point where you're okay with that. And people aren't going to like you. And that's okay. Because as long as I'm true to myself and I walk in and I be everything that I can be, then that's fine. But also, we haven't got a mirror in front of us the whole time. <laughs> and if we do, we can become too inwards and we don't adapt to the people around us. And I think that's another thing because, like, for example, space. You know when you're watching someone dance <laughs> on stage and... They always say when they've got their back to you, they're still aware of the audience and the audience knows that they're aware of them, even though they're not looking at them. So there's something about connecting with the space and giving out presence that you imagine and that can be seen in just the way you hold yourself. That, that's a really interesting point because now, I mean, I'm not even aware of it, right? I think I'm always doing this so maybe this is a piece of the presence being a performer and more specifically having taught improv performers for 15 plus years one of the you know 101 things that I was always teaching them was stage presence right so when they're on stage I was constantly you know sometimes I would literally get on stage and physically move them Right. And I mm -hmm. would teach them how to 
have spatial presence, right? And I mean, spatial, S-P-A-T-I-A-L presence, right? How do we look at, I want you to stand on stage and I want you in your peripheral vision, think about the audience, right? Can the audience see you well enough, right? You know, because the seating is different, right? If you're in the center seating, you're going to get the best view if you're on the side, right? So I'm always was like repositioning them physically to teach them when you're standing on this part of the stage, realize that on this side of the audience, they may not see you. So you're going to have to cheat your body. And I would (laughs) physically move them to cheat them to cheat their bodies. So I Mm -hmm. think from, from years and years of that practice, I think maybe when I physically enter a room, I'm always in that mindset of, okay, where am I standing? Right. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not actually thinking it consciously, but it's just ingrained in me to be aware that people are watching me, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, even giving a keynote yesterday, I never stand at a podium ever because it's just not dynamic enough for me for the audience, in my opinion, if I stand in that one space, I'm afraid that they're going to get bored. Mm-hmm. But if I have movement, they have to be on their toes to pay attention. And I'm really doing it for them more than I'm doing it for me. Yeah. I'm just thinking back to when we used to send teachers out to school in teaching recruitment. School called us up one day and they said, we don't want this teacher back because she keeps finger wagging at the kids. So mm. I, as the recruiter, had to call up the teacher and say, hey, I'm really sorry, but you were using what they perceived to be threatening body language to the pupils. It's just like, I would never do that. I would never do that. She was completely unaware. Yeah. We're not aware of how we come across all the time. And it's just like what you just said about people are always watching us and noticing us, Right. It goes back to emotional intelligence in a lot of ways. You you have mm-hmm. to be self-aware of your physical space, right? We talk about being self-aware of emotions, but being self-aware of your physical space, even virtually, right? When you show up on camera, um, yes. we teach this at Sales Gravy, right? Like everything that we do and the impact that it has on the other person on the call with us, right? The way our background looks, our lighting, our audio, our camera framing, the way we're dressed, our hair, our makeup, our eye contact paradox, right? All of those mm-hmm. things, you do this enough and you can have presence virtually as well. So this is not just about physical in-person presence. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of this that we're talking about from a, a, a physical and a spatial sense, but then there's also an attitude, right? Mm. An attitude and a confidence that shows up for people. It's, it's an, an energy. Yeah, exactly. Energy. That's the word I was looking for. And I believe that that comes a mindset. I think I told you in the last episode that I'm trying to, if anything for myself and for people that I coach, put together a mindset, positive mindset guidebook, if you like, or playbook. And there are so many things that we can do. We can't change people's mindset. But, you know, the other morning I woke up and I opened my eyes and I was like, oh, man, I hate it when my husband leaves a shirt on the floor. But <laughs> I then flipped the script mm-hmm. and thought, this is just a reminder that I have a lovely husband and he wears really good clothes. And suddenly I woke up and thought, 
I've told myself a better story, right? I told myself a more positive story. And the more that we can do that and get into the habit of recognizing the stories that we tell ourselves, which are negative, it creates a more positive energy and energy is infectious, right? Um, And I do think it is possible. I really do think it's possible to at least try to change mindsets. I think if part of the problem with a negative mindset is that people think that they can never change it or get told that, you know, they can never change it. But there are, there are ways, I think, definitely. Mm-hmm. I like to- And then it comes to the energy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the energy is a big piece of it. Um, I think that video testimonial that I got yesterday, I think they mentioned energy or someone mentioned energy. It's, uh, people were posting it on, on LinkedIn too. I mean, I got a lot of rave reviews about energy. And the energy yeah. that I created in the room. Now it's interesting because, and I even said this to them, right? We go back and forth between being virtual and being in person, being virtual, being in person. When I go back out in person, I'm like, oh, how do I do this? Because yeah, because I'm not out in person as much, which is I think where I excel. It hit me. I was like, oh, I can pull things out of my little trick bag um, for things I do in person. So I, I do something called the dance party. And I was like, literally five minutes before I'm about to speak, I'm like, why am I not doing a dance party? I should be doing a dance party because I, I capitalized in the moment, leveraged the moment. This group hired a DJ who was yeah. who was playing music to pump up the energy of the room, which is so much what we did when I owned a, a theater, because, you know, you enter our theater and there's like, you know, fun music playing to create an energy before the show starts. And so they had a DJ and the DJ says to me at the beginning, he goes, he's like, what song would you like to come up to? I was like, Ooh, I get a walk on song. This is exciting. I love having a walk on song. And um, so he had this high energy music and there are 130. What was the song first? What was the song? Oh, the song I played for me. Yeah. Uh, Demi Lovato's confidence. Ironic. Nice. Ironic. We're talking about confidence. That's yeah. like yeah. a, that's a, 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 a walk on song I like to use. So I said, Demi Lovato confidence. Can you pull that up? So he did. And then five minutes before I went on, I'm like, I'm totally gonna do a dance party. I'm like, so I go up to him. I go, hey, I'm sorry to throw this curveball at you, but could you like pull up some kind of high energy song? Because I'm going to make the whole room dance. And like when I say DJ, play a song for me, that's going to be your cue. He's like, yeah, no problem. So I made the entire room dance. How? Come on. How? It's a secret. I have an exercise that I do that gets the whole room dancing, but not all at the same time. But at the end, they're all dancing. And just leave it. And the secret is you're gonna the the secret is you have to hire me to find out. I'm your I'm your I'm gonna I'm gonna get this out of your outbound. I'm gonna get this out of your outbound. I really actually I want to get Jeb to do this at outbound, and I don't I don't think he would go for it, but. I like last year wanted to suggest it to him because I think it's such a fun exercise. I and mean, I've, I've never done the exercise with like as many people are going to be at outbound, which would be so fun. Um, who yeah. knows? Maybe I could talk him into it. So I can't imagine Jeb dancing. Maybe that's it. Maybe he didn't want to dance. I don't know if he'd want to dance. I cannot see him dance. But anyway, I had the whole room dancing and that that set the tone mm. for for the for the rest of the, my talk, right? Because they were, this exercise gets them 
dancing and laughing and out of their comfort zone. And by the end of it, they're all like, they're so pumped up. And I've primed them for an experience when I do that. And even the people who didn't want to dance, right? So I also kind of did a, they had something called the big give, the big give back. And so they were raising money for something and they were trying to, they were trying to raise as much as they could at the event. It was just kind of like part of their philanthropy. And so I said, um, and I, and I heard them talking about that. Right. So they had presented that and I'm like, okay, I'm going to find a way to help them with the money. So I said, okay, everyone's going to dance. Pianist, who doesn't want to dance? Just raise your hands. I it's, it's okay. Cause I know a lot of you don't want to do this. So just raise your hand if you don't want to dance. So the hands go up and I go, perfect. I have a great way for you to get out of the dance. Just be part of the big give back and you can donate money to this charity right now and pay to get out of this exercise. Right. And the client was like, yes, (laughs) people were handing me money. Right. that's genius i like that and they actually did it they weren't like i'm not giving money they yeah somebody gave me money and danced i was like okay so 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 i had the whole room dancing it created an energy and what it did was it set them up for this is what you're about to experience now they've experienced me before virtually i spoke to this group last year virtually and this is the first time they got to to meet me in person speaking gone off on a tangent but it's a about creating an energy and an experience for your audience, no matter what that audience is going to be. That that's my opinion on how yeah. I have presence, but I don't, but I don't consciously think about my presence. Well, I think that's a lot of it, isn't it? That you're not consciously thinking about it. And um, I don't know if I told you this, but we went on holiday to Portugal and we learned meditation. We got taught mm-hmm. meditation. Did. We did a course. You did. And one of the things that has become apparent to me, not taught to me, but just apparent to me is how important breathing is in everyday life. Not only you and I know as um, performers, breathing is important, but for me in everyday life, like I was like, when I'm doing training and I'm feeling a bit stressed, I can hear it in my voice, but that's not because I'm stressed. It's because I'm breathing in a very shallow way, it's kicking off my amygdala and it's not bringing out my best training. And that you get the odd days, but I think everyone has that. And I noticed the days where I had that. But now I'm doing this meditation and I really focus on the breathing and everything about my body is connected to just positive thoughts. And I sound like I'm going all Buddhist on you now, but it's, it genuinely has improved well, I, I believe it's improved my presence. And luckily I can see because I watched myself back at sales meetings to see how the sales meeting's gone. I'm like, oh, that was better. Um, or interviews, that was better. And I, I, I'm a big believer, especially for salespeople who are multitasking. Uh, they don't know which list they're going to look at next and they're losing time. I say, if you haven't got time to meditate, then you need to meditate. And you don't have to meditate for very long. I do five minute meditations. Do you? Mm-hmm. I wondered if you did. I saw something on Facebook about meditating and sunset or something mm-hmm. at some point. I sound like I'm your social media stalker. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I have been posting my sunrise pictures at my new house because our house sits on a pond and I did not know this, that that we're facing the east. So I see the sunrise every morning Mm -hmm. and it's just the most calming, serene Like, I can't wait for the sun to come up. And I like literally get my coffee ready and then go sit outside to wait for the sun to rise in my pajamas. But yesterday I I got a new neighbor, so I got to watch how I dress out on the patio. Yeah. 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 Well, no one wants to see, right? (laughs) Well, someone does. David does. But um, And maybe many of our listeners do. But, (laughs) and I think the more I've grown up as well, I'm very much aware of dress and confidence and how we hold ourselves as part of that, how we smell, (laughs) you know, the essence of us when we walk in somewhere. Like if I'm wearing my Tom Ford perfume, tobacco vanille, I've automatically that presence. I I, I sense that presence of myself. Um, I was going to ask you a question. I've never asked you this before. So I think arguably one of the things that Gina Tramarco brings presents with is her red hair so was that a conscious thing was that like a branding thing the red hair um no I mean obviously it's natural right (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it is um it was not um it's not a a a conscious choice from a branding perspective, but it became part of my brand because uh, I've had the same hairdresser for quite some time. And we, you know, played with different colors with my hair, nothing severe. Right. So I'm a brunette technically. Um, But one day she started using this red and it just seemed to work really well. I mean, now seasonally I'll change a little bit, maybe do blonde highlights on top of the red, but this color has worked really well for me that I've left it like this. And then it became, it became part of my brand where people kept referencing, um, Oh, we got it. Like even yesterday when I was at that, um, uh, just right before I spoke, they're like, Oh, we got a redhead. And so now it's just part of my brand. Like I'm not going to give up the redhead thing. Cause it works. No, you're never allowed to give it up. It's great. It's great. I love red hair. Um, I'm actually thinking of going ombre myself because that's really <laughs> in at the moment. But um, yeah, I mean, I think also flexing to the people that you're with is key. I was very assertive in the way I was talking to this client and suddenly Jeb Blount calls me. And when he called me, I was like, oh, hi, Jeb. And he was like, why is she talking to me so like assertively? And it came across as almost rude. Um, and it made me, it made me realize, you know, some, that's another reason we have to just take a few minutes to ourselves, um, have that time to meditate, but also always think about who we're speaking to, who's our audience and adapting to them and flexing to them. Yeah, 100%. Like I, I knew the group that I was going to be talking to yesterday, you know, as a group, you know, every, Everybody was in sales. Um, it was the real estate industry. There, there's just a certain, they have a certain type of personality compared to other, like salespeople in general are one type of personality, but then you take salespeople in different industries and those are different personalities. And then if you're talking to leadership, those are different personalities. Yeah. And I, again, you know, I, I, I connect this all back to performing and knowing your audience, right? For especially as improv performers. And, and I, 
please don't be upset with me for you professionally trained actors versus improv comics. Because we're not working with a script, we have to rely on the audience and we have to be able to take suggestions from them, even if they're not overt suggestions. I have to pay attention to their reactions because I have to respond to their reactions and and give them a show based on that. And I think it's all of that time on stage being in that mindset of what does my audience want um, has made me successful. And even coming up through all those years, you know, I, I learned so much when I owned a theater and I was out there on the stage performing with my performers and, and I'm seeing the show, so to speak. And there were times, you know, when I thought I was, I thought I was really good at reading people. And then I was like, not sure of it because sometimes in the audience, you had somebody who just never smiled or laughed and had their arms folded. And you're like, well, that to that means they're just not happy and they're not engaged. And that that's what we've been taught, you know, through body language and things like that. But the reality is, do not rely a hundred percent on that. Like, yeah, 90% of the time that will mean they're closed off and not interested, but you cannot always judge a book by its cover. So you have to stay open-minded or in the yes and mindset, like we like to say, because what I learned from that is so often the way somebody shows up is not, you, you can, again, go back. You can't judge a book by its cover. Let me just, that's the best way I can say it because a lot mm-hmm. of times after a show, that one person who had their arms crossed and wasn't laughing, they come out and all of a sudden they're smiling and they're like, that was such a great show. Mm-hmm. And you're like, thank you. And your inside voice is like, I wish you're, you would have told your face that, right? Because they never yeah, showed yeah. it. And so you got to realize that not everybody shows everything and do not make a final decision on someone that you just met. Yeah. Which is why it's so important to build these relationships. And then when you understand your audience, then you know how to deliver to them. Yeah. Have you ever had that surprise when you've been speaking to someone or in a sales call where you've thought their face says that they are just not interested and then they'll give you the best feedback ever? Yeah, there's actually, there's something about the English people, your people. I had a client who it was really hard for me to read him. I wasn't sure if he liked me. Like, you know, he said yes to the deal. I I trained his team and it took me like almost the entire five or six weeks of working with them for me to feel like he liked me because I didn't quite get his personality, right? Because it's this kind of English personality that I don't know how to put it. He just acted like he didn't like me. And then I realized standoffish, standoffish, uh, kind of standoffish, but kind of like what I refer to. This is kind of like an American, maybe Chicago ish term of like busting my chops. Like he was like busting my chops in his English attitude, which maybe if he didn't have an English accent, I would have taken it as he's really more like me. Because he had a very, yeah, yeah, yeah. he had kind of a dry sense of humor. So, you know, you have to, you have to spend time getting to know people and building relationships with them. And yeah, I had a random thought today in the shower, as I often do, by the way, hot water is great for creativity. There are studies on this. Oh, that's new. Yeah, being, Being in water will actually bring out creativity, but I have, you know, a lot of great ideas when I'm in the shower, which I think a lot of people do, but it's that water thing. And one of the things I was thinking about, because we're just 
I just mentioned relationships, right? I always like to do an analogy back to dating and um, relationships in the dating realm. And then how does that, how, how does that kind of cross over into sales? And I was thinking to myself, you know, you talk about your mindset with your husband and the clothes on the floor. I'm like so grateful for my husband and I'm so grateful every day. Yes, I'm in the honeymoon phase, but I have a feeling I'll be here for a while because I'm just so grateful because I've had so much bad luck until him. And so I am so grateful. And so I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm so happy I'm not out there anymore dating. God, <laughs> that was just a horrible. I'm so happy I don't got to be there anymore. And I started thinking about how this shows up. I don't know where this came from, but how this shows up in the sales realm for salespeople. Think about this. The reluctance salespeople have in building relationships. You, you, that phrase, um, it's not you, it's me. Relationships are a lot of work. And when you find that like one relationship and you're like, I'm just going to stay in this relationship here because I don't want to go build another relationship because that's a lot of work. And I'm just going to stay here in this relationship. I think so many salespeople do that instead of going out and getting new business because who wants to keep dating? It's like, if you think about it, every time you have to create a new relationship in sales, it's like constant dating and it's exhausting and sometimes a risk of being rejected you're getting yeah it's a risk of being rejected and that's what serial dating is like right sales is so often in my opinion like serial dating yeah because you need a lot of relationships you are not the phrase i came up with in the shower i'm like sales monogamy there's no, no there's no monogamy in sales you don't get to have monogamy because you would never survive with one relationship. Do you think it would be the same if, for example, they said, Gina, you need to go out and get as many husbands as you can possibly get. <laughs> Do you think you would still, I mean, forget that you love David, but would you actually still think, no, I'm more comfortable with one? <laughs> and basically, I'm asking you if you're a schlag. <laughs> <laughs> What's a schlag? <laughs> a schlag. Do you not have a slag? <laughs> <laughs> it's my word for a slag slag. They're like, no, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because like they say in, in animals, isn't it? Penguins are the only ones that have one partner and stay with them. And that there's something in that, isn't there? That are many people in relationships because it's so much easier um, to go out and go into the dating world that aren't right for them in the wrong relationships. Uh, maybe. But I also, one thing that you said there that I really loved and I think it comes back to the mindset again, which comes into presence is about gratitude. And they say, what are the biggest things in marriage and sales, I believe, is taking things for granted, taking existing clients for granted, taking husbands for granted, because it's there every day and you want it. I'm sure David won't mind me saying that you want him, but you know, it's, um, it, it is that having an attitude of gratitude is, a big thing at the moment that people are talking about, but it's so, so important, especially in these new millennials who get things handed to them a lot on the plate. There's more of that now because things are so there for us. Tinder, let me just swipe right. That easy. There's yeah. another opportunity yeah. um, that we do. We take things for granted a bit and we're all guilty of it. And sometimes we just need to give ourselves a reminder like you did in the shower. Oh my gosh. 
you know, I'm so happy I'm not single anymore. And I think more people need to do that. Yeah. And I think when it comes to, you know, those that relationship, marriage or partnership, right? Um, having one partner is, you know, my preference. Now, there are some <laughs> just people. Kidding, just to let everyone know. <laughs> you know, um, there are people, I just don't want to, I don't want to be in that serial dating thing. But more importantly, and not everybody has this, but many, most of us do, I think. I don't know. I didn't have it for, for a long time. Everything that I need in a relationship I get from my husband. Imagine that from a sales perspective, right? Because it, it, it's counterintuitive in sales. Like I can't get everything I need out of one client. I have to have multiple clients. Now, if I had that one client and this is, this is what happens sometimes where you have that one really big client. And, I, and I'm coaching some clients on this who they're, they're relying on one giant client. And I'm like, you, what happens when that one giant client goes away? What are you going to do? The eggs fall out of the basket. Mm-hmm. Now, in a marriage situation or partner, you know, relationship situation in your personal life, I'm not going to go put other eggs in the basket in case something happens to David because I can't even imagine that. But you cannot do that in sales. You have to have, you have to, what did you call it? A schlag? No, it can be a slag. A, a, <laughs> slag. Slag, a sh- how, how do you, how do you spell that? Well, it's actually the UK normal people call it slag, like S-L-A-G. Do you not okay. call that? No, what For is someone that? Someone who's a bit of a, someone who sleeps around, a someone slag. who digs a lot. Okay. Um, but, you know, me and my friends, we thought we were a bit cool and we said, she's a schlag. Okay. Well, I think in sales, you have to be a schlag. <laughs> yeah. You have to be a schlag. You 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 have to have multiple relationships. Be a yeah. sales schlag. Yeah. Yeah. From presence keep- to schlag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Having the presence, but kissing all the frogs and finding many a prince. Yes. You need many princes and princesses. Yeah. And I I I just love you know, one of the things I, I love about about Jeb and his book and why I keep listening to it, I was listening to it again today, is just the reminder of the pipeline and the desperation roller coaster. And if that pipeline isn't full and the same of dating, because I've got friends who've been on a few bad dates and that pipeline is not full. You know, you've got to keep it, it, dating. It, it is on and off. It is risky. So I think you can relate this to the dating scene where you don't know which way it's going to go, but you know, obviously marriage is something more, more um, long-term, but yeah. We, no, you I mean, still need to write the book. You still need to write I the know, book. I, I know, I know. But in, in the, in the dating perspective of, you know, before I met David, right. Every, you know, you have those people like, just wait, just wait. And the, the right guy's going to come around. I'm like, I'm not waiting this is a sales game. This is a numbers game. I'm going to keep dating until I find the guy. Yeah. And I had to go through a lot of horrible guys <laughs> to get there, but it built up. It was such a great experience and such a great study on humans and myself of literally, I talk about this too, when it comes to like finding your ideal customer. 
right? You yeah. have to go through a lot of bad customers then to realize what an ideal customer is as well. So you have to keep pushing and have the bad ones, um, fire them, get new ones. And again, that attitude of gratitude that you had throughout that process. I'm thankful for these bad ones because they're leading me to the good ones. Instead, that's yeah. a better story. You told yourself a better story than, yeah. you know, all, all these. Do you know what? I've had people who've said to me, friends, but also people I've been coaching saying, well, it's all very easy to say, isn't it? Have a positive story. Have a positive story. But And I say this to people, if you have a negative notice it first. So if I wake up in the morning and think I'm not going to make any sales today because I got rejected so much yesterday, then acknowledge the thought, say it to yourself, and then say out loud, you can go away now, thoughts. <laughs> and it has a lot of power saying, I acknowledge you thought, I'm not going like to ignore you. It's like emotions, isn't it? With children, we're too often we're saying, right, don't be upset, you're fine. Well, no, you're allowed to be upset be upset and now go away bad thoughts let's move on to happy thoughts so and I think that's a big part again this is stuff I'm thinking about this mindset um course acknowledging the thoughts but letting them physically whether it's physically brushing something off but you have to acknowledge them first and then go away now um and I like that that comes to presence as well I like that I like that I um I've often talked about the pity party for one, like you can have a pity party for one for yourself. And I've said this in coaching too. I'm like, as long as it doesn't go past 24 hours, you have your woe is me, poor me, this, this sucks. And then pick your, I just coached somebody on this today. I'm like, mm. okay, we're done with the pity party for one. Get back in the saddle. Yes. I know exactly. We've done some co-coaching and you've actually said to sales managers, if you've got teams who are negative, it's often a good idea to to let it out. I'm going to let you let it out. Then we're going to move on because if you let it absorb you and engulf you, then it will take over you. So yeah. Yeah. It's like letting, it's like letting a crying baby cry. Let the baby cry it out. But if you keep picking up the baby as you, as it cries, what behavior are you reinforcing? Yeah. Right. It's okay to feel. It's okay to feel. It's okay to like, let the baby cry until it falls asleep by itself and let itself soothe. I don't know. I'm not a mom. I just make this stuff up. No, you're right. It's like a sales therapy session. This. I love it. I love it. <laughs> we should, we've always talked about doing sales therapy, but are you going to give me my, um, my questions today, even though it's, just you, but you have a presence, so you're not just you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta, yeah, I'll give you your questions, and then we got to wrap it up because I got to go teach a class. Yeah, so it's so it's uh, again. I'm, I'm going to ask you this time: quiz or truth? Mm. All right, truth. I hope, I hope I don't regret this. Okay, well, I was going to do something. Shall I do this? Shall I do this? How salty is this? Nia might have to cut this. So you know the <laughs> the game. You know the game. Uh, marry shag or dumb oh right i do know that game because we put jeb through that on this show before you where i'm how do you oh you see, have I to am, go find I, you have to be... go find the episode oh mm-hmm. uh, well i'm Harry, not... Harry wanted to kill us because we called it mary fuck or something i can't remember what we called. Well, mine's a bit more classy than that yes exactly <laughs> mine is mine is higher go for a date with or fire 
Hire, okay. hire, go for a date or fire. Okay, is that it? Okay. And these are all famous sales authors. Okay. Okay, so I have to, as I go along. So I have to say one of the three. You have to say, yeah, you've got to put them into categories. So we have Mike Weinberg. Okay. Jeb Blount. Oh, God. <laughs> and Anthony Iannarino. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, okay. So, hiya. My God, I'm blushing. Go on a d- date with or fire. Well, the proverbial. So I just have to put them each in a category. Yeah. So. Go with your instinct. <laughs> to keep my job, <laughs> I would hire Jeb Blunt <laughs> because he teaches me things. <laughs> I would fire Mike Weinberg. Oh, I don't have a relationship with him. So, okay. Okay. So and I fine. would totally go on a date with Anthony Inarino. Yeah. 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 That would be a good day with Anthony and Marino. Yeah. I feel like he would he would keep he would keep the intrigue going. <laughs> okay, what about you? Um yeah, I, I have to say the same because let's face it, I can't go on a date with um Jeb Blount because <laughs> <laughs> my boss is his wife. <laughs> the sales gravy. And so yeah, it would be the same. I haven't met what Mike Ryan, but I'd love to. Um but Anthony and Marina, I mean, we've got to just go back to his episode again and again, you know, his one up and his, yeah. his books are just, they just stick with you. It's not like you don't read his book and think, wow, I'm inspired. It's more like an ongoing thing. It's not like a big wave. It's like an ongoing, mm-hmm. oh, that may yeah. make sense now. Yeah. Reflection. I would agree with that. Is that it? That was easy. Yeah. I thought it was quite fun, actually. Right. And again, you talk about sales presence. I didn't plan that. I think sometimes when you don't plan things, it's more fun. Oh, so, yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, I'm, you know, I like to improvise. Well, I think it's time for us to wrap up. And a uh, couple things, listeners, before we go, you can still get your tickets to Outbound. Outbound Conference coming up in September in Atlanta. Go to outboundconference.com and um, come meet Susanna and I and all of the other amazing sales thought leaders that will be there. Very cool event. And um, you can't make it to Outbound. You can make it virtually too. So you have that option. Or you can check out Sales Gravy University. Go to salesgravy.university and check out all of our courses there to uplevel you as a sales professional. For more information about this show, go to womenyourmotherwarnsyoubout.com. And for information about Susanna and I, well, you can find it on that site or you can find it at salesgravy.com. And of course, if you've enjoyed the show, give it a rating and a review, but more importantly, share it with someone who you think would find value in it. Any final words from you, my British partner? (laughs) (laughs) No final words today. I enjoyed this. Likewise, we're out of here, Warners. Bye. Bye. Bye.